You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Khan Bayazid. Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City. This is Besiktas International's The Black Eagles Podcast, and we're back. Back from a long break. Sorry for the delay. Uh, lots of people getting sick, throw up. <laughs> lots of just uh, bad things happening, but... Uh, that's simply on, on personal levels for me and my co-host, Kambayazid, everyone. Um, yeah. Welcome. I think that we were trying to plan it for Friday as we had promised our listeners we'd be recording every Friday. So I guess it was not last Friday, but the Friday before we were planning on recording. And you were like, oh man, I'm, I'm really sick. You know, I can't, I can't do it tonight. Maybe tomorrow I'll feel a little bit better. But then Saturday, it didn't really feel better either. And on Sunday, I think I had something to do. And then we were going to line things up for the yeah, week. Down for the this count. past week. Yep. And then and I you was... You got what I had. I mean, I've only been better since literally today. Like, today I feel okay. Like, yesterday I was still kind of like, oh, I was okay. But I was like still feeling the aftershock, so to speak. And uh, obviously, yeah. I... Yeah, I think we don't really think we had the same thing. I mean, uh, you were... I mean, maybe. It sounds similar. I mean, one thing I'll say is that um, I think both of us probably handled it all right, but we both also have kids and, who also had this thing. Oh. And so both of us were thrown <laughs> up on in the same you oh, know, yeah. calendar week anyway. Yeah, For me, it was completely out of nowhere because Aiden was doing okay and he was just playing... He was sitting next to me on the couch, and he was—I think he was playing a little mobile game on, on my iPad. And suddenly, it, I feel like warmed on my lap. And I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> oh, and then I realized no. he's fucking puking on me. And I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> oh, no. and, and like my first my first reaction is, "Oh my god! Don't suffocate in your own puke!" Like I wasn't even. Like, you know, most people don't, don't pull a Hendrix. Most people would too. be like, oh, my God, that's so disgusting. Like, I didn't even flinch. In fact, I sat there for like 10 minutes or so afterwards when Kim took Aiden to the shower to clean him up. I was just sitting there in, in the puke. In still. shock. In, no, I wasn't in, in shock at all. I was just trying not to move because I didn't want to get it all over the place. So I was just waiting yeah, until yeah. Kim came back oh with, my like God. A, with like a towel or something to start like cleaning it up a little bit so I could get up because I couldn't even stand. You had like a pool in your lap. I oh, yeah, yeah. Like my entire yeah, leg yeah. was full of, 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 of kid vomits, but it didn't smell yeah. that bad because you had like a candy a little bit before that. There you go. Uh, it actually smelled the like... The value of feeding it, your yeah, kid candy. it smelled like the candy he had eaten. So it was actually... Um, okay. okay. <laughs> this is getting a little TMI. Yeah. No, yeah. <coughs> I also... I was, I was woken up at like 3 a.m. She was sitting up in her bed. Uh, I like came to, to like give her a hug. Oh, you have a bad dream. Like, no. <laughs> it turned out uh, she was just going to vomit all over me. <laughs> so it was less less uh, polite in that sense. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. He, yes. he, he had to uh, puke again uh, afterwards later. So I kept him home from school today. Uh, yeah, so we've just been uh, having a game day today. Like he's four and a half years old. He was already running around with my horse in Red Death Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's funny because uh, my daughter has been watching me play Jedi Fallen Order quite a bit as well. So she's like, well, "Go to the left. Watch out for the stormtrooper." <laughs> oh yeah. She called. Like... She called the stormtrooper a buckethead from Rebels. I I was like, "Yeah, it's so sweet." <laughs> oh, yeah. He, um, Aiden's a great assistant too. Like when it's like massive shootout, she's like, "Up on the roof, up there, up there." <laughs> it's great. It's great. He's a great assistant. He's like four and a half years old, and he's already better at it than I am. We're like admitting to being bad parents live on air. But hey, uh, 
But anyway, but speaking of, so the, the point in mentioning that we've had bad news personally is because that's actually juxtaposed this week with some good news for a change on the Besiktas front. Um, sort of. I mean, with a little bad news because it is still 2019 after all. But um, last time we spoke in episode 92, we talked all about the big win against Galatasaray, which had come on the back of... Uh, some decent results, a, a good win against Alanya and a draw against Ankara Guju. Since then, we've played two league matches uh, and another, actually, and yeah, sorry, and one European match. I guess we did the, the first Braga match uh, the week before. But so, yeah, we've played Antalya Spor away, Braga at home, or no, away, sorry, uh, and then Denizli at home. Yeah. And uh, two wins in the league, and, and of course a loss in Europe. But um, just, you know, nothing like an annual referee decision in Europe to <laughs> annual? You know, mark your calendar every well, it, year. It's, been, get it's, been, it's been non-stop this year. I mean, three out of the four games this, uh, yeah, this the Europa League, we have literally lost three out of four games because of the ref. I think the only match we didn't lose because of the ref was the, the, the Wolves match. And that was just one of those games that we should always win, but then we end up losing in the end because we didn't score. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Slovan Bratislava, you could make the... Uh, there you could make the case the referee was really bad, but you could also have made you could easily make the case that we would have lost that match anyway if the ref was good because he would have sent off Carius if not. But we're gonna conveniently ignore that and we're just gonna look at how he fucked us. And that's like basically in the end, you know, Pedro Rebocha just gets blatantly kicked in the face by by their striker. A striker, I mean. I'm not saying he should get sent off because he's not there's no malicious intent really, but he could have easily gotten sent off. But no, they get a corner and they score. The least that should have happened there was a free kick for for, for, for foul, you know, for for dangerous play. It's like the very least. But he gives a corner and they score a three-two on that was wasn't the third minute of stoppage time and that we end up losing that match four to two because they score another goal right after. Um, but we lose that match 100% because of that uh, poor decision there. Uh, not not so, yeah. not disguising how poorly we played, of course. But then let's talk about this match. So yeah, so I've, I, the, although so we're not going to go chronologically, we'll talk Braga first, and let's why not? Let's get the bad news out of yeah. the way first. But um, yeah, so the match ended three to one. Braga uh, they had previously defeated uh, Besiktas one to nil. One to, one, to two, uh, one to two. One to two. One to two, yeah. One to two in, with an offside goal in the 81st minute. In Istanbul. Another, another referee. Uh, another ref yeah. shellacking. Yeah. But yeah, this this one seemed worse somehow. This was worse. Um, it was a terrible match from the get-go. A lot of cards given against. It, you know, it feels like they're playing Besiktas on reputation. And for some reason, they have this view of best touch is like the bad boy troublemaker so they're like looking to give them cards because there were two cards in the first half one for Rocco, one for Janer. um before the red card that you mentioned which was for Germain Lenz and just generally the ref uh, seemed uh like he's just one of those refs that needs to be involved in matches I I forgot the stat Yasin one of our friends from Special Touch International said oh yeah the, the same ref had been involved in like 20 cards in six matches or something. I, I, that's I not at all an accurate statistic. I, I didn't I have the impression up. early on that he was like that type of ref, though. Like, he just seemed to be one of those referees that was... Uh, Trying to stamp, it, stamp things out early or whatever. I don't know what it was, because... Uh, I don't know. I really didn't have the impression that he was going to be a bad ref. Apart from the fact that he was, again, from some obscure nation i think lithuania uh, no offense if you're from lithuania and listening to this but i mean you know i mean the, the lithuanian league questionable level and obviously then the referees their level is going to be questionable too and i think the referee we had against slovan bratislava was from uh, estonia or something so mm -hmm. similar comparable so we had an estonian ref i believe might be wrong there and then we had a lithuanian ref here and in both cases we had very poor performances now like i pointed out earlier against bratislava that had like you know that had 
poor performance for both teams because carries have gotten sent off, whatever. But here it was really one-sided in the sense that at 1-1 we should have a penalty mm-hmm. and um, a yellow card for the goalkeeper because it's not a double punishment anymore. <clears throat> but that's at 1-1. That's like minute 35 or whatever. And then like in minute 44... Jermaine Lenz gets one of the most ridiculous red cards that we've ever received in European football, bar the Andreas Beck one against Dinamo Kiev. Don't forget, yeah, I was going to say that's the main one, probably. Yeah. I mean, I minded that one more. (laughs) Well, and so, yeah, to to bring you listeners up to speed, in that match, Paulinho struck very much against the run of play in the 14th minute of that game to make uh, to give Braga the lead 1-0. But in the 29th minute, Tyler Boyd, with a fancy little finish, got his first goal for Besiktas, And that's certainly noteworthy. Yeah, and how um, did the... Just as a milestone for him and for the club. How did they call it in the U.S.? Um, like a Cruyff, uh, Cruyff finish or something? Oh, there was a lot of Cruyff talk. But I don't know if that... I think that's... That might have been about some... No. Yeah, whatever. You, you, you shared... It was, it was a great finish. Yeah, it was a very good goal. Yeah. Like, um, to, to paint a picture, he got the ball in the box, cut, cut it on to On the right his, side. Yeah, cut it to his left feet and then slotted it in. Maybe if you, you know, watched it, but don't remember it now. But it was a, good, it was a very good finish. And uh, you could also see that it uh, boosted him. Uh, his confidence, and he played. Re- he played a really good game. I felt, and I, I was disappointed that he didn't go on to start against the Nidlisport in the next match, which I completely expected him to, because I think uh, he deserved he, it. He did feature, and he did and feature again. Had had energy, um, so hopefully he keeps building on that. But that was obviously, yeah, that was what he needed. And um, as you say, I agree. I think it probably merited it merited him. Uh, another look at that starting job, especially given German then being red carded, although we both agree he did not deserve it. Yeah, he didn't deserve um, it, but he hasn't been playing very well either in recent games, I feel. Yeah, he w- he peaked, he was playing very well for a short bit, mm. and then he's stalled out a little bit. I mean, he's not been like a net negative player, especially no. if he didn't deserve that that card, which we, we both agree he didn't. Um, but anyway, to to finish up the thought I was, I was on earlier, Paulinho scored again in the 37th minute after we should have been awarded a penalty. And that was a really bitter pillow to swallow. A bitter pill to swallow. That's going to be uh, tough because... to swallow a pillow. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Count. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, so going down when we should have been up uh, was tough. That's what she said. And uh, especially given the sort of injustice in it. And then for that to be followed up six minutes later with the Germain Lenz red card, really, uh, we went into the half of that match seeing red, all oh, of yeah. us as fans. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, we, we, were, we were already... It was the fourth match of the, of, the, of the group. We were already out because we lost the yeah. first three. So it's not like we even really cared about this match. I mean, it's just the way hell, it happened. The right? club barely cared about it because we started a yeah. B team or a C team, whatever you want to call it. But to to lose, like, I mean, also, I kind of have this feeling of do, do Braga really need to need the referee to beat our C team yeah, exactly. twice now? Exactly. Like the first time was kind of a fluke. I mean, an offside goal when there's no VAR, that shit happens, you know. That's why you need VAR in the Europa League, you know. UEFA, yeah, sorry. come on! The but then this, this was just, oh, come on! That was too much. This is too much. I don't. I said it on the the football Turkey podcast because we did re- manage to record that last week. I did say it there. I said, look, a red card when there's no VAR or even when there is VAR, it doesn't matter. You as a referee need to be one hundred percent sure if you're going to pull a direct red. Look, if it's a second Absolutely. yellow card, that's a little bit different. But a direct red card. Yeah, that's got to be obvious to everyone in the stadium. You need to be 100% sure. And if you look at that red card, everyone, whether they're Fenerbahce fans, Galatasaray fans, Trotman Sport, they all said, well, that's ridiculous. ridiculous." I don't even know if it was deserved a yellow. I mean, it was was whatever. I think a yellow uh, Just to to piggyback on something else you said and to to keep our listeners 
you know, I, I'm doing the the you're doing the color commentary and I'm doing the analysis, I guess. Or no, I guess vice versa, whatever it is. But um, the starting lineup that you'd mentioned, which was very abnormal, signaling that the club was not particularly invested in winning this match, which is, again, natural and normal given how poorly we'd been playing coming into it with zero points. But yes, it was abnormal. Uh, the back line itself, so Karius is the, the only sort of mainstay there, but... John Erickson played on the left side with Nedjip on the right. Enzo Rocco started again next to Domingos Vida. Germain Lenz on the right side. Tyler Boyd on the left. Kartal Kaira Yilmaz and Ozan in the middle with uh, Umut Nair and Guven Yelchin up front. Mm-hmm. So Guven Yelchin, I, I suppose Google lists it as the kind of classic 4-4-2 I think Guven Yalchin was set behind uh, Umut Nair a little bit. But, um, <sighs> fascinating uh, little bit of play there since, again, like I don't think Braga should be happy winning a match like that, uh, feeling like they would need... They were even lucky uh, to win uh, in the end, I think. I think their their win was even slightly flattering because... Right before they score the one three, we 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 almost uh, have an equalizer from the terrible Guven, who actually had a yeah, good exactly. shot. And uh, I think there yeah. were a couple of moments in the second half where we probably drew close to uh, an equalizer. And honestly, and you I, mentioned you mentioned Rebosha getting kicked in the face later in the match. And, oh, that yeah, wasn't I mean, that was, was the Bra- Bratislava game. The Bratislava game that I meant. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. He because he did enter that match in the second half. But uh, anyway, yeah, it, it was it was. Uh, I mean, both of Paulinho's goals were against the run of play and kind of, I don't know, his finishes were, were classic, but also... I mean, if you look at the two two games, I mean, all all four of their goals were kind of against the run of play. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, kudos to Braga for their six points against us, and I think they were very um, lucky to get away with six points and i think they can tang the referees in both of those matches for those points um but ah, hard to disagree the there but at the end of the day uh for us the story was over already anyway and i think we were focused more on the league which is clear uh, by the lineup um and uh let's 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 just move on to to the league uh, there's some better news yeah. there I mean, just to wrap up the Europa League discussion in general, we're still sitting there with zero points with one match to go against Slovan Bratislava. Two games. Which will be... We still have a Wolves game, too. Oh, gosh, that's right. Yeah. I almost just wish there was one. It's like a waste <laughs> of time. Still now. have a Wolves uh, but so We have the Wolves next, actually. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, two more to go. I, I wouldn't expect much out of them. I think we're going to see more of the Kartal Kaida Yilmaz's and whatnot. Um, which I'm okay with, honestly. I don't yeah. think there's any reason to... Uh, one question I have for you, Khan, because I don't think we're going to have any reason to talk to, about him otherwise. What were your thoughts on Enzo Rocco, who we finally got to see get some extended run yeah, serviceable. With the team. You know, I mean, okay, he's okay. You know, not not great. Uh, I, I he pre- fell off actually. I he's, prefer he's... Uh, Isi Maltimirian over him, if I'm yeah, quite honest. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they're. I, I actually didn't. Neither one of us disliked. You seem let me in, so that. Yeah, I mean, don't, another bitter pill to swallow. Don't dislike Rocco, but I don't think he's worth the wages that we pay him. But that's uh, that's that. That's but. another issue. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it, no. You know, it's a, good to see. It was good to see him being serviceable. I think he looked better initially, and then this last game he uh, was exposed a bit more. At least his pace was. But uh, at the same time, I don't think he had any memorable blunders or anything so yeah um, no, i don't think so either um you know any fans of the chilean national team i don't know if he's earned his place back in the squad with these few performances i i would say he might feature a little bit more as a, I, he could have solidified his spot as our third central defender at least i hope so over Nedjip. i think he might have See. yeah uh, but so let's uh, as you mentioned earlier let's move uh, back to the league, and let's talk Turkey. <laughs> That's an expression. Yes, here. Thanksgiving uh, coming up soon here in, uh, in in the states for you, right? Absolutely, yeah. Talk yeah. Turkey. Let's talk Turkey. Well, and, but and so let's talk the Turkish Super League specifically. Um, 
let's go to the to the Antalya match, which was uh, before Braga, actually. Which, uh, again, I'll just cut to the chase, was a win mm-hmm. uh, on the road, uh, a 1-2 to two or 2-1 two to one win, yeah. if you will. Uh, could have been more. It would have been you know, a little less heart attack inducing, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but before, I, before I, I hand it over for analysis, I just want to talk about the, the, the uh, tactic, the formation. Uh, because it was, again, I think our strongest one. The four guys on the back line were Robocho, Ruiz, uh, Victor Ruiz, that is, Domagos Vida, and Gokan Gonu, uh, El Neni, and Atiba on the back line, which has actually like resulted in some pretty decent play. Uh, Diaby, this time, played behind the striker, Umut Nair, uh, with Adem Ljajic on the left side and German Lenz on the right. I'd personally like to see Tyler Boyd there. Mm-hmm. But uh, this was before the Braga match where he scored and really shined. So again, whatever. I won't hold that against him too much for this match. But so here we finally see that vaunted 4-2-3-1 or 4-2-2-1-1 or whatever whatever we call it. But um, yeah, I, I feel like that's the formation that you and I are most comfortable with, probably. Um Look, at the end of the day, it's just another variation of the 4-3-3. Um, or you could even uh, make an argument that it's not, it's a variation of a 4-4-2 because Diaby is playing more as a second striker than he is as an actual number 10. So, um, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I mean, it, it all just a little depends on the tasks you give the players. Uh, and we the all... player's ability. Like, Diaby has clearly, I think, stood out as a secondary striker that's i think mm-hmm. his best role and he's put together some some really nifty performances that's that's where he was best at club brugge too when he played uh to alongside uh, aston villa's wesley uh, now now playing for aston villa but he used to play for brugge obviously uh, when they used to play together and and then wesley was obviously the big target man and and diaby was the guy you know hovering around him playing off his shoulders that's where diaby uh stood out most but diaby has also had a very successful season at brugge as lone striker so he can do both um but uh, yeah the Diaby, when it when he plays in a central role, is I feel when you get the best out of him. Um, but that doesn't mean that he can't have his moments. I, I feel like he has had a lot of good moments on the right too, where uh, he yeah, beats yeah. his man. Um, he seems to have settled generally in Turkey with the club, you know, whatever yeah. it is. But he's playing. But well. but he's done that. He was doing that early on as well. But even when he was getting criticism left and right from people, uh, and I'm thinking mainly of one in particular, but uh, person that is. Uh, but uh, he had those moments of flair where he got past his man easily in the early games too. But uh, we'll get to it a little bit later when we talk about the Denizli match too. But uh, he had good moments there when he was playing on the right. But here, when he's behind the striker, I feel like that's where he shines out, uh, shines most. And uh, he got on the score sheet here, obviously. So that's uh, the thing. <laughs> Sorry, got stuffed up there suddenly. Um, yeah, I mean another turkey reference. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Uh, no, <laughs> I really, I thought the 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 scoreline sort of belittled the performance because the game was really good all around. Peshtash played well. Uh, First half. The, that it was that goal they scored halves. against us was just the type of thing to add a little stress to our day. And it was perfectly timed for them to maybe make that yeah. comeback, unfortunately. But it was very much against the run of play. And even afterwards, it's like Best Touch did a pretty good job of controlling them. Yeah, it, it took them really long until they got a proper, really proper chance again. But then it was a really big one right at the end. I think in the 87th minute, Serdar Uskan, uh, or Academy product, uh, product of course, a, fo- a, father, a former top talent, uh, I remember him see, making him uh, seeing him making his debut at age 16 in 2003. I was a big Serdar Uskan fan, actually. I, I he's the guy that, like in FIFA, I would uh, focus my development on, make sure he came became a star. 
Uh, one of those uh, guys that never panned out. Yeah. Anyway, he always scored, but uh, Loris Karius uh, continues Saved his uh, phenomenal performances. Uh, you know, and uh, not so long ago, people were saying that uh, Karius doesn't save any points, and I think yeah, that Muslera was a bit differentiated. Go yeah, after that. but here uh, Karius definitely saved Besiktas two points. I'm not saying that it would have been justified if Antalya got the points, because I think based simply on 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 the amount of clear-cut goal-scoring opportunities we managed to create in the first half. We should have been 4-0 up at half-time. Yeah. And honestly, Antalya Sport did have... were better in the second half, but it's not like they created a bunch of chances, like a plethora of chances. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, we should have been far more comfortably in the lead. I think if we make that third, tr that if we make that third goal in the first half, then we never really get into any trouble here. But this is just, you know, two nil is is a treacherous scoreline because all they need is that one goal to get back into the match. Like two nil is never a comfortable lead. It just isn't, you know, unless you know it's like minute ninety three or something. <laughs> then then maybe it's a comfortable lead. But uh, it was just one of those games, and uh, we got, we got the job done against a team that we really should be beating right now. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, they I think they beat Fenerbahce and Kadikoy just a couple of weeks ago. So it's you know they lose one week at home to to Genshterly six nil, and then the, the week after or the week before they win one nil in Kadikoy. So. This league is so so unpredictable right now. It's so many teams that that you just don't know. Are we gonna be able to beat them easily? Is are they gonna cause us trouble? I mean, because I think we went on into the Denizli game expecting, okay, you know, we're on a good run right now. We're in a good form. We're probably gonna make easy work of Denizli Sport, and, and that didn't end up happening. Yeah, and we haven't even gotten to that one yet. But I mean, so going back to the Antalya Sport match, though, I think it's. Uh... It's, I'm going to do the stat flash again because I feel like this time we have some interesting stats that take a bit... I mean, that tell a sort of story that could be misleading. Because um, you mentioned that we were definitely the more dangerous side, had the better chances. But if you look at the stats, Antalya Sport had 14 shots to our 12, although six of ours were on target to their four. Which, by the way, is a very efficient day in front of the goal for us. Six of 12. But... Um, that's not accurate. They had a ton of shots from distance that were not dangerous. Karius wasn't called into play that much. I mean, when he was, he was very solid, as you mentioned. Um, Beshtash did have 58% of the possession to their 42%, so that starts to tell the story, I think, a little bit. 565 passes to their 413, 82% uh, accuracy to their 78. So, I mean, they, they actually played fairly efficiently in the match, but um, I don't think that they were nearly as dangerous as the stats reflect. Um, no, no, no. So, you I don't know, think so either. for anyone who did maybe miss the match but saw the stats and this final score being two to one, uh, it's not inaccurate. I certainly, I think we were all nervous because we know what can happen in football, especially in Turkey. But if you look at the sort of general run of play, Besiktas definitely was the better side. Uh, and was I, I mostly I, in I control. I didn't have the feeling we were going to drop points here. I, I was more afraid. Than, uh, afraid. I, I more had that feeling against the Nizli Spore than I, I, I think against Antalya Spore. I never really had the feeling that they were going to find an equalizer. Yeah. Even though they got super close at the end. Well, and, and unlike with the Nizli Spore, I think we might start transitioning to that match. Uh, but unlike in the, the Nizli Spore match, Besiktas was fairly, you know, they scored twice early. Gomez mm -hmm. Vida scored in the ninth minute, I believe. Uh, let me quickly pull Off that a light. And um, Diaby scored like in the twelfth minute. Let me, let me quickly yep. double check this. My numbers are right. Yeah, nine and eleven. Nine and eleven, I think. Nine so. eleven. Oh man. Uh, yeah, in the in the eleventh minute, Diaby scored uh, on a nice little goal, by the way. Diaby's been so dangerous. Um, but so by the eleventh minute, we were up two to one. So if anything. It was our ruthless efficiency that maybe had us resting on our laurels a little bit, maybe not as dangerous as we could have been for the rest of the match. Uh, but so yeah, after the 52nd minute when Mukairu scored, uh, okay, yeah. it became, became more of a game, uh, obviously. But even still, like I said, Besiktas seemed to be comfortably in charge. Uh, but so let's yeah. let's just move, move, keep keep it moving. Um, because we've already started alluding to it quite a bit, and uh, it's it's you know I think we've said just about what we need to as far as Antalya goes. 
maybe we'll circle back when we do a more general analysis later. But uh, as far as Denizli goes, again, Besiktas won. Uh, and so we'll certainly need to talk about our position in the standings now that all of this is said and done. But Besiktas was victorious at home against uh, newly promoted Denizli Spore, but just one to nil. And there was just one, the, the one goal scored was in the 70th minute by George Kevin Onkudu, uh, who, again, stellar, although uh, he did not start in this match. No, he just came returned back from, from his injury. injury. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so he spelled Adem Liayet on the left side. Uh, and yeah, to great effect, obviously, he came in and scored fairly quickly. Uh, off a light assist. Off a. Didn't he come in for that? No, Leage got no. moved to the no. middle, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Leage went off uh, for, oh, I don't know, I want to say uh, Tyler Boyd later? Tyler Boyd, yes. No, Tyler Boyd came in. Yes, Tyler Boyd came in for Adam Leage. So then it yeah. changed the tactic again, but um, or the formation rather. But so the, the, what, what's nice is that Nkudu came in in the 61st minute and scored in the 70th. So he it didn't take him long to make an impact. And I mean, the moment he came in, you saw it, like his pace was still there uh, or, you know, hadn't been impacted by his injury, I guess. Uh, he was dangerous and it was a great finish from him, actually, it, you know, much less chicken with his head cut off than we normally have seen from him in that regard. Uh, yeah, I just felt it was one of those uh, strike the ball and hope it goes in type of deals. Uh, blindly placed. It, it felt know. more placed. I thought it was Anyway, it's just kind of like curled away. I don't know. It like, it's, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I felt like the goalkeeper could have done a little bit better, but uh, I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and um, I don't know. It was one of those matches where we just like we were obviously the better side, but just had nothing up front. Yeah. Uh, the, well, the lack of a striker or Burak Yilmaz's uh, or rust. the lack of uh, the lack of uh, a, a decent official. Um, I felt the referee played a really big role in this match, and I think we all kind of discussed it in the group that if this had been an away match with this type of referee with these big decisions going against us or rather not maybe going against us but not going in our favor or whatever you want to call it like there's two very clear red card situations mm-hmm. um the first one on uh, jana erkin by their i don't know their right back i guess number 23 i think well so he... actually and so we didn't talk about the formation and it was a little it, it was the same as antalya's four <clears throat> with victor de reese and going to be in the back and Robosho and gokan gunu and elneny and atiba and diaby behind the striker but the one big change obviously burak Yilmaz coming back which didn't mm-hmm. quite work out but john erkin played on the right <laughs> side as a midfield as a, as a right winger which is obviously where start- tyler boyd should have yeah played. he started it on the right but he switched to the left pretty quickly i felt yeah um, i think the, the diaby moved to the right liayet into the middle and uh john mm-hmm. to the left i mean but i don't see the need in, in playing games like that you know especially given the yeah. form that tyler boyd was coming in on uh, as we yeah, mentioned, one hundred percent agree. I think that undercuts the players' uh, mor- morale. Uh, Tyler Boyd just came up a really good performance against Braga. His confidence is growing there, and then you just cut it straight off. And that's what we want. Uh, you you know, just, we want him to settle. Yeah, we want him to build. You just, his confidence. He's yeah. You cu- you cut his his legs out from under him by doing stuff like it. Kind of felt like Shinol Gunish type of stuff. Yeah. You know, like like he did that lot with with, with guys like Lens, like stop and go. And um, I kind of felt like it would like he did it here with. With, with boards the only difference is that you're you're really going out of your way to play John someone Erkin out of position yeah and yeah, i mean the, my honest feeling about this summer is that the guys who we absolutely need to settle and are, are the guys who we paid for outright guys like tyler boyd obviously in kudu and there's no problem in that regard um mm-hmm. you know these are the guys that need to be playing regularly and settling because they're we're stuck with them there's not like a Whatever, we don't have to extend their option anyway. And as great as El Nendi yeah. has been and uh, whatever. I mean, Rubosho, we were also buying, right? Outright? Pro- yeah, I, t- I don't know if it's an obligation or whatever, but probably. Um, he certainly earned it. Uh, he's been phenomenal. Yeah, uh, but we can also look at it this way. He's he's going out of his way to start John Air on the right to be able to start him, but not to have to take 
Rebocho out. Yeah, so that's, that's positive, yeah. I guess. And because, yeah, uh, again, Rebocho's earned that left-back slot now, I think. Uh, he's Yeah, and plus solid. the way Janoris performed this season, he doesn't really deserve to get taken out of the team either because yeah. he's been very important this season. He's been good in most matches. Agreed. Um, so I understand it a little bit, but... Just play the players in their positions. If yeah. you know, don't go and play Janner on the right wing just to play him. You know, and like then knowing give... that you can have Janner on the bench and he can come in for either the left back or the left midfielder at any point in the in the match as a substitute is a strength of his. Like that's that kind of utility yeah. flex option is is something that you should be utilizing and not you know, mm -hmm. forcing him into a position where again where we have a young guy who needs confidence, who's building it, and uh, you know belongs there. Yeah. Plus, if you're gonna go with Robocho as your 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 starting left back from now on, which I think we're kind of moving towards, and then Nkudu coming back from injury, so he'll be your starting left winger. Janner's gonna lose his place anyway. So and that's why we got Robocho. I mean, Janner's older. I think he's at that age yeah, where he, his value is is gonna be kind of coming off the bench in that utility flex. Yeah, and, and how well he deals with, with not being a starter every week. But at the end of the day, Janner's still going to get plenty of playing opportunities in between, you know, European competition, yeah. in between the Cup. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're not just talking about this season. Exactly. I think Janner's a player that still has value for, for yeah. yeah, a couple of years, maybe. Like maybe one, even three. At least, Possibly three. At least one more, form. probably two, maybe three. That's the, I feel the same way about Gokhan Gunnel, by the way, who's 34, 35 years old already. I, I still feel like He's definitely got one more year, maybe two, uh, left in him, and 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 the Janner for sure still has one or two, maybe three. Well, and, and uh, we'll have to wait nice to see. In the, in terms of Janner, is we definitely have the next generation for that position. I don't necessarily know that we do as, in Douglas on the right side. I don't. No, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I I, I can't. He's been he's been underwhelmed. I need let's, to let's see more. That. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. We need to see more, but I mean, obviously, you also have to keep in mind that like the, the standard that Gokhan Gunnel sets and the standard yeah. that Janner sets it let the difference. You know, I mean, Janner, I, I like him. I think he's a fun, okay player, but he's never been the best left back, especially defensively. I mean, his, his offensive contribution at times are are stellar, but defensively, obviously, everyone knows. We don't need to, to say that he's not the best defensive left back because everyone knows yeah. that already. But with Gokhan Gunnel, you're basically you. To this day, still the best right back in Turkey. Yeah, and his impact on I a match—it's it's actually kind of nonsense. He's not on the, on the national side, but uh, his impact. Well, no. Well, I mean, you have Ziki Celik there. Obviously, he's—you well, he's, know—I don't starter. mean necessarily to start, but as a presence, you know, like he's a leader. Yeah, but you have to keep in mind, Gokhan Gunnar is playing with injections almost every yeah, week. True. No, it's, it's he's probably better for us. You know, no, I think us. it's fine for to transition him out of the national team. I don't think he minds that himself either. I'm just, this I think is what it's I'm, my point if i were the national team manager it, i wouldn't be too comfortable leaving him out as at least to have as a leader on the bench and certainly as a he has emre he has Buck, he has all those guys yeah already. i don't, I don't you know my feeling on those two in particular though i, I feel <laughs> like uh i want a leader who's yeah. not gonna like try to strangle the referee uh when the time arises for it not to say yeah, that i don't yeah. want to strangle referees myself but i wouldn't name myself captain either uh, but anyway uh so yeah back to denizli the only the one goal yeah, in the card. 70th minute you started to talk about this there's the two red cards that should have been awarded so this game again like we've really struggled with refs but at least in the in the league we've kind of overcome those struggles uh, results wise. In the league, I, I, I don't know if in the league we've really struggled with refs. Um, well, I mean, in this last I match, know. I guess. Yeah, yeah, this one. This one I thought the referee was uh, horrendous, but I, I don't. Did we really have issues with referees, like ma major decisions this season that went against them? No, like, no. I, I mean, I, I was talking about how wrong we had decisions. Yeah, I mean, multiple, obviously. We just had Braga and then Denizli, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. like multiple games yeah, in a row. But yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't I, think like, I it's don't... been regular in the league at all. In fact, yeah, it's no, been a I pretty mean, decent I... season in that regard. Like usually, we have many more gripes about refs uh, than we have had. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think. Um, 
I think far. I, I mean, there's been positions this season. I think where we, 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 we probably think we should have maybe had a far check or something on a penalty or something, whatever. And there's a couple of those in this match where I think there's three penalty shouts that uh, there was no VAR check, and I think all three of them uh, were um, at least worth a look. Yeah. Uh, by the ref. Um, then there's the. Um, the red card positions. I think the first one uh, he played. First one's a is a red card, direct red card, 100%. Uh, he plants his studs on the Achilles of uh, of of Janner. Has no chance whatsoever to even get the ball because there's a man in between him and the ball. He comes from behind. It's a red card. And then the second one in the second half on Diaby from uh, Isaac uh, Saki, sliding tackle. From behind, I believe. Um, also, another dark red card. Um, two 100% red cards that the referee misses, that VAR misses. Uh, very weird decisions. I mean, the penalties you can. I mean, you you can talk about those. I think you can make a case. In the non-call uh, for penalties. Yeah, those positions you can you can argue against. I mean, for me, the first two the, were clear missed calls on penalties. This there was like. Another one in the second half, and then actually for me there was even mm. a fourth, in, you know, or a second, uh, a first. Early in the second half, there was one that I thought I didn't actually get a good enough look to be honest. But like at first glance, it looked like it could have been. And then I like got up to get water and missed the replay or something. But um, yeah. I, I think the, the the thing you can say is like uh, on, on on the first one on Diaby with the one with the the, the el like the elbow the or the arm and the face. I think there you can make the case that look he goes down really easy. Like he's looking for it. You can make maybe, but it still doesn't excuse. Like what I actually think he's doing is trying to bring attention to the fact that he's been elbowed in the face, which is totally a penalty. So, I eh, yeah, I mean the my the way we look at it is I don't want to like do that. You know, yeah, but the way the way from our point of view is look, his arm has no business being there. The only thing that arm is doing is blocking Diaby's ability to get across. The only part of of his body uh, can. Hit is his face, you know, because it's high enough yeah. up there. Like. Yeah, I mean, I I think if you cut off that arm, if, if there's no arm, I think Diaby gets past him and gets oh, on the ball. Yeah. So I I think it's a penalty. Exactly. But I can see where people would like say, look, he's going down super easy and he's looking for the penalty because he is. I mean, he is going down yeah. easy. But but sometimes you got to though, but, you know, like I feel like it's overlooked yeah, I mean, that sometimes it's a guy's he can, job he to can bring also, attention to the fact that he's been fouled, you know. But whatever. That's he can also. I mean, would you run into a, a tree like full force, or would you slow down a exactly, little bit? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. you're gonna run into it either way. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna run into it like a mule and hit your head and get a concussion, or are you gonna like you know maybe try to soften the blow? Dive, yeah, exactly. Try and dive a little early. Exactly. <laughs> To, to, to avoid the majority of the, the collision. Uh, so for me, that was a penalty. The first one on Leitch, I, I kind of, I've gone back and forth on that one because at first I thought Stonewall penalty. Then I was like, oh wait, did he get the ball actually? I don't think he and did. I was under your, and I was under the impression that he got the ball. And then I was like, okay, it's not a penalty then. But then people like on the football podcast, Umut, I think, told me, and he's a golf fan, he's like, yeah, he didn't get the ball. So I'm like, oh, well, then, it, then it's a penalty yeah. again. And so I've gone back and forth on that one. And then the third one on, on Diaby again. So that's two penalties on the potential penalties on Diaby, uh, plus a goal. He no, no, he didn't score a goal, actually, in this no, match. He scored a goal against Italia Sport. But again, to, just to illustrate how involved he yeah. is. Um, but then the second one on Diaby, I think he gets past his man and then just gets pushed yeah. down. And uh, it's a very dangerous position where he gets past his man because he's on the back line. He's able to lay it off. He's able to pick a man. Uh, it's a super dangerous position. So for me, again, it, I think all three could be penalties. I have I'm a not conspiracy saying... theory. <laughs> a hot you take. Do? A hot take conspiracy theory. I feel like... There's such a thing as being too small or too big, actually, yeah. uh, in football, where you oh, automatically yeah. get calls or don't get calls. Like, sometimes a guy is just really big and isn't, like, yeah. being physical. Just a little guy rams into him. And, like, it's yeah, not yeah. the big guy's fault that the guy's, like, yeah. like he didn't fall too. And so he you gets see it a lot with strikers when they're going up for the long, yes, like, when yeah. the goalkeeper, like, kicks the ball of the field and they're going up for a header. And the, the big guy just 
just jumps, doesn't do anything wrong, and just gets the ball called against them. Exactly. You see it all the time. And, and then, and on then, the flip side, where with Diaby, the little guy being where he can be too mm -hmm. small, is like people just assume, oh, he just fell over because he's so little. Oh, of course he's getting overpowered because he's just such a little guy. But like sometimes, just because you're little doesn't mean you're not getting like hit in the face or you know whatever. Yeah. Like so, you know, yeah. I, there there's like a a range of sort of acceptable heights that the refs kind of treat normally, and mm -hmm. then and then there's these extremes that kind of get unfair treatment on either end. But anyway, yeah. Definitely agree with you. But apart from that, I mean, we did manage to find a winner in the 70th minute. We did create some chances. But I, I, I kind of... I think this match could have been a lot easier if the referee did his job and gave that early red card because that was like in like minute 20 or something. That was super early in the match. And that changes the entire game because then they're down to 10 men after just 20 minutes. I think that gives us a major advantage. It could also... Uh, it's happened in the past where if a team uh, goes down early, they just become even more stubborn and they just, you know, park the bus even more and defend even more stubbornly and it even becomes more difficult. But I think in this case, it probably it was already like that, you know, so yeah, I think yeah, that just broken their back. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it would have changed all that much because in the first half, I think apart from that free kick, which I think was in the first half, Denizli supported absolutely nothing offensively. So I, I really think that it would not have changed anything in their advantage. I think it would have only worked in our advantage and would have tired them out quicker. So we would have gotten that goal quicker, probably, hopefully. Um, so for me, I think those were big decisions. But apart from that, I do think we kind of struggled creating chances a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and, and credit to Denizli, honestly. They, they, and, yeah. and, and credit to any coach who figured this out, figures this out. Because, you know, we are a team that's sort of trying to find its identity with all these new pieces. If you can disrupt mm -hmm. our flow, and of course that means playing a little dirty, you know, playing the, uh, the, the, the you know, not trying to cross the border and, and get carded or put yourself in danger. Yeah, but, but that's, if that's you can disrupt thing. us and play physically and, and just stop that flow. But, but did you feel like like Denise Sport were playing particularly dirty apart from no, those no, two no. I mean, terrible tackles? Just, I mean, yeah. well, the, the, the penalties weren't even, like, egregious fouls. They were just fouls that should have been called. But, yeah, no, I yeah. mean, they, they I did mean, a good job. They, they disrupted yeah. our flow uh, and were physical but not dirty. And I think that's how you have to play a team like Besiktas now. Yeah. And, of course, it's going to be more and more difficult because it seems like we're finding our footing. And one really nice thing to note is our last three goals are from Diaby, Tyler Boyd, and uh and kudu, kudu. three yeah. right for all of the the negativity and the and the bad mouthing of our transfers and our team and everything and the negative nancy's coming out of the woodwork i don't know you know things are looking brighter suddenly I, I, I think it just goes to show you again that our transfer window really wasn't that bad but we were just dealt such a tough hand with all those injuries and yeah yeah yeah, and they're I mean, just we, like naturally when you bring in a, a bunch of new pieces and they're younger than the guys we know, we're kind of getting used to having brought in uh, late of yeah. late, it's going to take a little more time, and that's for our benefit long term mm -hmm. because they're younger. And, and if all we that. if we start the season with with uh, Adam Leitch and Burak Yilmaz who were able to do an entire training camp, who were hitting their form uh, right about the start of the season, and, and didn't have those those physical setbacks and fitness setbacks that they they went into the season with, I think if you have a fit Leitch and, Adam, and Burak Yilmaz to start the season off with, you have a different season start. I don't think you have the terrible season start we had because we were in a terrible position after five games yeah. um, but it is also an interesting thing and then, uh, I don't know if you want to jump over to this already but if you look at the league table That's what I was just about uh, to do, yeah. yeah but if you look at the league table and you look at the, basically wh which position are we in let's see we're, we're in eighth, eighth place right which now. sounds and, terrible yeah. But, yeah. but we're only three yeah. points back on first and we're one yeah. point back on that I mean we're like Yeni Malati also has 18 points. They're just above us because of goal difference. Yeah. But so they're in seven. But then yeah, Sivaspor. Sivaspor is in first place with 21 yeah. points. Just three points above us. Fener is in second with 22 points. You know, it, if we beat Fener in our next match, we're above them. You know, and, and, and we're at the point where we were kind of making up. So we were winning, but not really advancing up the table. We're, we're we've been there. But I think now but, but we're at the point that every win from from here on out will actually start to 
translate but, but Cena, look we're, we're we're so we're in eight position so there's seven teams above us right now there's 11 matches we've played and from the top seven we have played number one we have played number three we have played against four. number four we have played against number five, five six we have played against number six so we only haven't faced Fenerbahce and Yeni Malatya yet yeah so those are the only two teams that we still have to play in our next six matches before uh, the end of, of 2019. So in our next six matches, theoretically, we are only playing two teams that are on paper able to beat us. And Yeni Malatya won big, you know, has, had been winning, but they've actually been drawn by Kasim Pasha and Gostepe in subsequent weeks now. So Yanni Malatya is like losing steam in theory. Hopefully we'll see how that goes. And and now if you look at the teams who are below us, directly below us are Gaziantep and Rizespor. We have already played them. Then there's Gostepe. We have already played them. And then there's Konyaspor in 12th. We are playing them this week. And only Gaziantep or Gazishe here. Whatever you, and only they are yeah. actually within reach now. So these wins, although they haven't, you know, seen us rise up the tables drastically, they have given us space between us and people beneath us. And again, like I no. think if we can keep strings and wins together, you're gonna start to see us shooting up the table because you know, we're literally one point, two points back from everyone above us. So it's uh yeah. it's it's so, a good time to be alive now that we're not throwing up on each on or getting thrown up on and investing <laughs> we can but start that, to really enjoy from that bottom of the table basically uh the we still play last place Kaiseri Spore and we still play uh uh 16th place Gesterberly we still play Kasim Pasha so we have I mean I'm not saying we're having a super easy schedule coming up because obviously we know that in the Super League there are no easy games Fener, uh, we've we learned that yeah, we still have Fener, but like we already learned as well, like, I mean, there are no easy games because Fenerbahce probably expected to easily beat Kaiseri Spore uh, two weeks ago or something and then ended up losing. So, um, you know, you can you can uh, you can go into a match with the, 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 the bottom team in the league and end up losing as perfectly possible. But on paper, in our next six games, we, we have theoretically four games that we should uh, have a good chance at winning and then we have the Yenimalatia Spore match which is definitely gonna be a test and for sure I mean away Fenerbahce at, at this Fenerbahce I think a point away against this Fenerbahce would be okay um, and again I, I don't know if we play Yenimalatia at home or if we play them um, away I think we play them at home and then we still of course we still have our black sheep Kasim Pasha uh, and Kayseri Spore and Genshare really but all in all I think our schedule isn't uh, terrible uh, we could be heading into the second half of the season with a decent position in the league and like you said we're only three points behind the leaders right now and honestly uh, just a month ago if you would have told us then that we would just be three points off first place um, heading into the international break that is now come and gone. I don't think either of us would have no believed way, that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, exciting times ahead. Easy. Obviously, stay tuned. Um, this coming Saturday, November 23rd, so that's a noon, 12 o'clock match for me here in New York City, which is 6 p.m. for you, Khan, which means 8 p.m. in Turkey? Yeah, 8 p.m. Konya away, so another. <clears throat> this, this could be a rough one. A yeah, match. that could be rough. Yeah, for but sure. um, Konya is not in particularly good form. They're in twelfth at the moment with only thirteen points. Yep. So even if they beat us, they wouldn't um, catch us in the table or anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, we gotta obviously hope for the best. I think we have some momentum right now, uh, and we we obviously want to build. I mean, in, in that sense, the international break came at a bad time. But considering how injury riddled we've been. It probably doesn't hurt to mm -hmm. give everyone a little, some legs. Uh, it doesn't help that Burak was out on duty. Um, but he played a very good game against Iceland. He was, by many, called him man of the match. So um, Yeah, and he was rested in the second yeah. half, because we'd already, uh, yeah. which is sort of newsflash. Turkey uh, secures uh, a place in the Europa, uh, sorry, in the Euro Cup. So that's going to yeah. be exciting. And uh, at, at least Great. we'll see Burak play there likely probably mm. 
Um, but yeah, Burak uh, hopefully regaining his form. I mean, we were really going to need uh, him to, to get on the score sheet and, and get his scoring boots on in, in these last six games of 2019. Sure. And I think regardless, uh, we're going to need some insurance for, uh, as a striker. In, in the, in yeah, the... I, I think a striker is going to be a top priority. And honestly, if you look at our squad right now, I think if we get a winger and a striker, I, that would be fantastic, I think. If we get a right winger uh, and a striker, during the during the break i think that's pretty much all we have to do really um so um, here's my question for you well this could be maybe. our last talking point i guess there's not much to say but my 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 question right now like for example against Konya score in a few days do you want to see burak up front or do you want to see umut nair no burak yeah, yeah? Burak. i mean because like it's, it's worth mentioning that umut nair had two goals and an assist in his last three matches uh, that might not be the case anymore. Yeah. I don't think he's put up numbers. But you do notice that, I mean, despite the, even if he's getting on the score sheet, getting an assist, uh, you still notice that he's at a lower level, even uh, compared to an, an, uh, a Burak looking still for his best form. I think, you know, we have to try and get Burak yeah, back on the Yeah, that's the main form. factor, and, I think. Uh, and the, and the main reason, yeah. even if maybe you see that Umut Nair is maybe in better form at the moment, you certainly need Burak getting, because his best form is significantly better than Umut Nair's best, at least from what we've seen. Uh, but I just, you know, I, it, it, it's worth tipping our cap to Umut, who I was joking was a Zongul.comurspor uh, level quality at, like most of the early season. And, and he has, um, he certainly convinced me that he's the third striker that you've seen him as for some time. So credit to him. Yeah, I, I, I just... I've said it before. I I just think that a third striker needs to doesn't need to be of the quality of a second, and certainly not your first striker. I no, think I just didn't even don't know if he was good enough for that. To be, to be honest, I, he's well, showing no, me I mean, some from what, uh, finishing yeah. instinct. But from from what he's shown in his career in the second division, I think you can see that he is that type of player. Uh, you know, he's always been a, a goal scorer in, in the second division. Um, not not a massive goal scorer, because if he was scoring 25 goals a year, then he wouldn't be in the second division. But he was scoring, you know, like a, like a Bobo did for us, like a consistent 12, 13 goals a season type of striker in the second division on decent size. He played for Ankara Gujuder, he played for Gustav Eder, and uh, I think it was Manle when they were down there or something or whatever. I don't remember exactly, but, you know, he's always been that type of striker that did well. So, um, and, and relatively young, he's got, he's got height, he's got a decent build. Um, and he's got a little bit of uh, athletic ability to him too, which is also important. So, uh, you know, I just always kind of saw that a little bit in him. But I don't think, I never really saw, I never saw him as a first striker material level for Bishtesh, not even in potential, you know, not, not potentially. I always saw him as the perfect third striker because you mustn't forget who was our third striker Pectical. for the last decade. <laughs> yeah, Mustafa Pektimek, which is not a bad player for that position but not when he's making 1.7 million a well, year you know what and I, I gotta say i gotta say it peanuts. i gotta say it man i i know people like academic but i am more comfortable with umut nair's ability to finish having seen the couple you know kind of decent ones we've seen mm -hmm. lately then I, you know, Mustafa Pektimek hasn't shown me that in... Don't underestimate Mustafa Pektimek's finishing ability. He's a good header, a good finisher with his feet. Uh, the thing with him is that he very frequently got played out of position as well. He very frequently got wings. posted on the wings, yeah. especially by ba by Bilic. Love to play him on the wings as a hardworking yeah. uh, winger. But the thing with, with, with Pektimek is just that, you know, he's very inconsistent and staying healthy. And the thing with him was if he can stay healthy and if, if he would be a player that stayed healthy and you would and he would make um 60 less than what he was making if he was like 600k a year i would have loved to keep him around if he hadn't already made 1.7 million for the previous five years because i, I really resented him for that I, I and i know that's kind of stupid because you can't really resent a player for the club being stupid and offering that type of money but yeah i, I just no i i 
he's never he should have never gotten that contract in the first place he was never worth that type of money i think he was like when we signed him he was probably on like a million a year or something no he was on a, t- a, a lira based contract i think when he first signed um but yeah that's what he he should have stayed on he should have been on like a max six seven hundred thousand a year type of deal and the thing with umut now is he's on a, on a lira based contract which i believe is somewhere around 300 350 thousand euros uh, when you you, you convert it so that's a perfect type of wage for for squat that and what i like about uh, that too is he's not he's not like young right he's not gonna say like now i need a huge raise like because yeah he, i don't think he's yeah, even he's, necessarily yeah. earned one uh but even beyond that like even if he has earned he's maybe uh, that that definitive third striker role uh i you know I, I it'd be hard for me to imagine him demanding a raise you know so yeah no i I've come around. I think on if him. he can get his, I don't necessarily. Yeah, I agree. think if he can get his minutes in the cup and stuff, he's gonna. You know, if if we play a decent amount of cup games every year, if he can get his minutes there and he can get a couple of minutes in in in, in the league, and I think he's, I, I believe he is a Besiktas fan too, so I think he'd be very happy with, you know, three four years on the bench at Besiktas as a irregular. It's better like playing in League One, so why not, right? Um, and you know you get to be around higher quality players during practice, develop your game that way. I mean, there's there's probably perks all around. But uh, yeah, beyond that, um, I think yeah we need a striker, certainly a second striker behind Burak. I would argue maybe we hopefully we can try to find something in that 24 to 26 range and someone who could potentially unseat Burak at least long term. Um, well, the financial crisis is still uh, I know, really big I know. in the club, That's the uh, so we'll have to wait and see if what well, I don't know. You know, the thing with with Burak, the reason we got him was kind of to have that short term fix, so we could bridge that period. We don't have a bridge, uh, so we'll we have need to a bridge. Yeah, uh, not just a bridge. I don't know. At the end of the bridge, on the other side. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we're gonna be looking for this winter. Is it gonna be a loan move for a temporary fix again, or are we gonna actually look for a long-term move? Uh, Erdal Turunulare has been put in charge of the transfer stuff, so um, I don't know what what type of players we are going to be going after. Obviously, he has ties to to the Netherlands because uh, he is from Holland, and his brother still lives in Holland, I believe. Um, so. It, it, no, that's not what I'm aiming at, but I could like see him. I don't know, I maybe uh, get like a Halil Dervisholo on loan or something. But I do believe he actually was sold to an English club and then loaned to Sparta or something. Loaned back to Sparta. I'm not sure what the deal is there exactly, but I mean, it's just, it's just an example. But I mean, I don't know, I'm very interested in seeing what type of uh, players yeah. were he's going to come up with yeah and, and maybe i mean he has a great relationship with mario gomez maybe he's gonna try and bring him back i, I mean the one late, the I know. one benefit to us like maybe being able to get someone a little younger who can be a long-term solution is that i think we really only need to focus on that position at the moment i mean obviously ideally we might also add a central yeah. midfielder ozan is, uh, whatever. Yeah, but we need to also look forward. I mean, El Nenny has a, as a, we have a, we have him on a year long loan. Right. He's doing great right now for us. But then now, right now, what we're looking at, what what do we like about our midfielders? That El Nenny Atiba partnership. So we're still looking we at our. 30, well, but, but we're not going to do that. Seven year old. We're not going to do that this. No, window, right? Because we still have El Nenny. At least yeah. it would be weird to replace him like in his face while he's still contracted. No, no, but I'm just saying like we have plenty we have other of holes. Work, no doubt. I, no, I mean. The, yeah. To be honest, I think if we can focus this winter window on the striker, that's our need this year. Uh, next mm. summer should literally just be central midfielder, defensive midfielder, like on fleek. <laughs> just uh, only <laughs> carry. Like that should be the the, the, the main focus for that because that's also where we have um, age and depth issues. Obviously, I'd like for like Muhayer Oktay or Kartal Kaira. Yomaz or some, someone like that to, to stand in. But I, it's, yeah, we need to we need to hope for a miracle that we win the title this season. Which I mean, I can't believe we're saying this and still talking about this. But if if that that, that would be a miracle if now. it happened. Yeah. But if we but if we could pull that off, that would give us such a massive financial boost in the summer and would give this new board such a breeding space yeah. that would give them something to work with because 
honestly, if we we go into uh, next into the summer next season again without Champions League money, it's just gonna put an you know That's just gonna, gonna exacerbate make the things so yeah. much more difficult. And and yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not saying if we win the champ, if we win, sorry, if we win the league, which I doubt we will, which I, I really don't think we will. But if we somehow manage to pull that off, it's just gonna make. It's just—it's going to give this board a fighting yeah. chance and give them a, a shot because honestly, they're, otherwise they're just constantly going to be fighting an uphill battle, and it's still going to be an uphill battle even if we manage to pull yeah. that off. But at least well, anyone like then if you, you have like your heart set on Karius or El Nani or whatever it is. Literally, the only hope that there's any way we could raise enough money to sign one of those guys would be getting all the like the the league the championship uh, money the champions honestly, league money. i don't even think that money would be used i don't either that. i i'm just saying like yeah the, the only way that the odds go from like five percent to ten percent uh are are by that money coming in so um yeah you gotta really be hoping for that if you want that sort of foundation maintained but um yeah, I think that's about it for this episode. Um, we we covered a lot of ground here. Uh, again, stay tuned for this upcoming match against Tony. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled Friday programming. Uh, you know, hopefully no one will be thrown up on for a while. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can't discredit the possibility. But um, yeah, Khan, do you have any final word? Plug plug uh, stuff. Plug us. Twitter. Oh, uh, yeah, just the usual stuff. Go and check out Sinan and I on uh, Twitter. You can find Sinan at Sir underscore writes underscore a lot. You can find me at Rosarian, R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-A-N. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Eagles underscore podcast. Please leave us an iTunes review if you haven't done so already. Yeah. Share with your friends and family. Um, and, and yeah, that's pretty all. pretty much all the important stuff, I'd say. Uh, except for one thing, which is vitally important. Our lives may depend on it. Uh, and that is... Fantastic Touch! We're back! back this time it's for real! Happening. It's happening! Jinx! <laughs> um, yeah, man. Stay tuned, everyone. Uh, we're back. Everything is back on the table. The podcast, the podcast is back. Everything's back. Happy to... Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.